Gina Della from Pella through June 30th at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Choose 40% off installation or six-year no-interest financing. Get details now at PellaWI.com slash radio or 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. You know, Mike Spalding, we were talking yesterday about how the Arizona Diamondbacks lost 17 <laughs> straight games. And you were just hoping that they, they didn't break out of that. But uh, last night, they managed to... You, you, you figure you, there's a 162-game season. You can't lose them all. And from the Brewers' perspective, you can't win them all. Yeah, the exact same thing happened that we said we hoped wouldn't. When you have a pitcher that gets hurt and right. goes to the... It, it just happened to not fall the Brewers' way. Which which raises one of these things. I'm a baseball purist. And, and I like the fact in the National League that they, they, have, they don't have the designated hitter. I think the game is more interesting. But I, I will say this. for As you were alluding to in your, your newscast, uh, the Brewers pitcher, Brett Anderson, he hurt himself... It was again a weird sort of thing. He, he's up at bat. He he actually hits a bouncing ball, and as he's running to first base, he he lands wrong on the base and jams his knee. That's what happened. It, it reminded me of a few years back. There was a the Brewers had a starting pitcher named Jimmy Nelson who was on his way to becoming a really great. Mm-hmm pitcher and if you remember what happened it was kind of a rainy night i remember i was watching the i was in a bar what a surprise that is i was in a bar watching the game and nelson had was on first base i think he had a single and i seem to remember them playing the cubs but i'm not positive about that but i think it was at wrigley field it was a night game and he's on first base uh, and i mean nelson w- was at the time that the brewers I mean, he was the Brewers' star starting pitcher, and I, I think a lot of people thought really great things. And what happened is a routine pickoff throw. The pitcher throws back over to first base, like Jimmy Nelson. He's not going to be stealing a base or whatever, but he dives back, leaning, and he leads with his right arm, including his right shoulder, and he, he jams his right shoulder, completely and totally screws it up, and he, he's never been the same. I mean, he was on rehab for, I think, two years. He he finally made it back. He's with the Dodgers now, pitching out of the bullpen, but he's he's a shadow of his former self, and that was, that was a kind of a catastrophic injury, all because the guy's running the bases. So it does kind of make me sit there and, and rethink this position I have, I, I've t- traditionally been anti-designated, anti-designated hitter, but in reality, that you know, the pitchers, pitchers aren't really trained anymore to hit and run the bases. And when you see these injuries, now hopefully Brett Anderson's injury isn't going to be like as catastrophic as as Nelson's was to his shoulder, but still, you know, may, maybe it's just time to say, okay, let's let pitchers pitch and move on. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I grew up in a National League household, so my dad always, you know, preached the the joys of watching pitchers hit. But the more I kind of watch American League Baseball, and I've just come around to the idea that I'm okay with specializations, I guess. I don't mind the DH. I don't mind pitchers just pitching. I'm all right with it. Yeah, I guess I I am too. And like I say, you just, you see these various injuries and, and what they can do. I mean... Again, it's one thing. It's hard enough to be a pitcher, and that that's that is an occupation. That the stress that throwing a ball at that rate of speed, the stress that it puts on your wrist and your elbow and your shoulder, and all the different things that have to go into it. You know, there's there's enough injuries that you know pitchers come about by actually pitching that you sit there and you say, okay, do we really? 
do we really gain anything by making them stand at the plate and face somebody who's throwing the ball 95 miles an hour at them? And it's just, I, I, I've always been a traditionalist, but I'm coming to think that, you know, maybe for the sake of the game and the player's health and, because, because we always want to see the stars. It, it's never, mm-hmm. it's never in the interest of anybody to see, you know, the, the players, the players get hurt, whether it's football or basketball or baseball. And pitching's so valuable, especially now the way baseball is played that, you know, you lose one guy or, you know, because he has a freak injury like this one, or like what you were saying with Jimmy Nelson, and your whole season's kind of thrown a little bit askew because the the, the guys are so valuable, especially the way that Craig Council handles his staff, where right. it's not guys going seven, eight innings anymore. You know, they go five, and right. you use the bullpen. Right. So I I, that was, I I always think of that Jimmy Nelson story, but I I when I I, I was not. I was not listening to or watching the game, at least in the beginning last night. I was doing some other stuff. But then I heard that um, that they had pulled the pitcher in the second inning, and I'm like, what's going on here? And then I, I see that it's it was running the bases, which is where a lot of these injuries occur. All right, that would be my input to the commissioner of baseball if he were listening. Let's get started. This is not Jeff Wagner, radio host, saying that Water Street has become an absolute and total disaster. This is the alderman who represents the Water Street area, Bob Bauman. And and Bauman, he, he doesn't, he's not right much of the time, but every once in a while, like we always say, a, a broken clock is right twice a day. Well, Bauman is right on this. All right, if you have not been paying attention, Water Street is and has been, I, I want to say, the, the major entertainment venue in downtown, the major entertainment area in downtown Milwaukee for the last couple of decades. Now, right now, it's being rivaled by what's going on at Fiserv Forum. But before there was the Deer District, there there was Water Street, series of very, very popular bars and restaurants that starts kind of on Water Street and Wisconsin and runs north for several blocks. That That street, that area is out of control on weekends. You may remember the story two weeks ago. There, there was a shooting at 2 o'clock in the morning outside one of the bars. And, and that got a lot of people's attention because there's a lot of shootings in, in Milwaukee. But this this was Water Street on, on a weekend evening. Well, that pattern of shootings has continued. It continued into this evening, but it's into the last weekend. But it's even worse. All right, here's the way that the Tom Durian from today's TMJ report reported this. Let me just give you a portion of this. Residents and business owners are calling on Milwaukee officials to do more about what they are calling unruly and violent crowds on Water Street on weekend nights. The push comes after a man was shot and killed along the street two weeks ago, and several shootings were reported this past weekend. Alderman Bob Bauman, whose district includes the area, received several calls and emails from people in the area who are concerned. Quote, right now, after 9 p.m., Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Water Street is not safe, said Bauman. That is not me saying this. This is not some resident of the area. This is the alderman acknowledging, quote, right now after 9 p.m., Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Water Street is not safe. It's sometimes crowds of upward of 4,000 people, most of whom are not patronizing the businesses. Bauman says the crowds are disorderly and sometimes violent. There's fight, quote, there's fighting. 
There's open public drinking. There's open public drug use. There's multiple motor vehicle violations. One resident who's complained to the mayor's office, the police department, and the alderman says it's just chaos. I've heard gunshots on multiple occasions. The resident who wanted to remain anonymous in a letter to TMJ4 says few measures the city have taken in recent weeks. They're simply not enough. The only thing that I see is them blocking off the street and putting up signs that say, please don't do this. It's not deterring anybody. Alderman Bauman has called the city's efforts soft and is calling on the mayor to push for more enforcement by the police. Bauman says the authority is clearly the mayor's authority in terms of directing the vast apparatus of government to act. So what does the mayor's office say? Well, here's the statement they released. Multiple city departments are adapting their strategies to address unruly crowds downtown and elsewhere in Milwaukee. Public Works, the Health Department, and Police Department have coordinated new approaches aimed at maintaining safety, and those approaches are refined as the situation warrants. We are working cooperatively with residents and businesses affected by late-night crowds to find the best solutions to these challenges, end quote. In other words, blah, blah. Blah. Meanwhile, you have shootings. You have thousands of people that are gathering. You have open drug use. You have public intoxication. Um, if you look at some of the stories on Channel 4 and elsewhere, you, you have some of the owners of the bars and stuff saying, we can't get employed. We have employees that are quitting because they are afraid for their life. They're afraid for their life because of all the stuff that's going on. The police department did say this past weekend it is investigating multiple shootings, and they did issue eight municipal citations and 62 traffic tickets. Eight municipal citations? Okay, you've got thousands of people, you've got multiple shootings, and you give eight citations? Well, I understand why the alderman is saying this response is soft. 62 traffic tickets. Most of the people who probably get them will crumble up those tickets and throw them away. And they towed 42 vehicles. Okay, well, I think that's probably a a decent stop. City officials are looking at options to fix the problem, limiting vehicle traffic, closely regulating food trucks in the area. So in other words, this is the Milwaukee approach. It's kind of like the alderman who decide that they're going to send the letter to the car companies saying, you know, all right, all these cars are getting stolen in the city of Milwaukee. You're making it too easy. So what are you going to do to make your cars harder to steal instead of perhaps dealing with the underlying problem with the car thieves? So here we're going to we're going to look more closely at regulating food trucks. <laughs> so so presumably, I don't know, like the food trucks are part of the problem. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Look, I I understand that you have violence that is out of control in the city. I understand that you have elected officials that have no clue as to how to respond to this. But Water Street, again, now there's the Deer District as well, but Water Street has always, or at least for the last couple decades, been one of the major entertainment venues in the area. It is now being completely and totally overrun to the point that I suspect that there's a lot of people who might have gone and patronized the places who are saying we're going we're going nowhere near this and apparently city officials have no clue as to how to stop this 855-616-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line my response 
Well, okay, it's it's not eight municipal citations. It's if people are engaging in open-air drug use, if people are getting in fights, it is a police presence, it is arrests, it is prosecutions, it is cleaning up the streets and saying, look, we want people to have fun, but we're not going to tolerate this. And unfortunately, under Tom Barrett, That is precisely what we are doing. We don't want to engage. We don't want to escalate situations. And so we let them get completely out of control to the point that I think you're going to have a lot of people who are just going to simply say, we're not going to go to Water Street anymore. Close up the bars. We're going to just (laughs) once once that's done, once the businesses have all left, well, you won't have a problem because there's nothing to attract people. 855-616-1620. We discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Sharon on the northwest side. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Jeff. Um, I guess my my call isn't going to make a difference, but I can tell you some information about my granddaughter living down on Water Street in the 1500 block, and we were together for Father's Day, showed me on her phone how the uh, window, uh, like two or two floors above her floor, was shot out uh, this past weekend. And that's not the first time. I mean, they're stealing catalytic converters in broad daylight down there. They're, they're having fights. They're having shootings. Mm-hmm. It's, where is the mayor on this? Where is he? Blah, blah. Blah. We're 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 talking to people. Don't you understand, Sharon? We're we're trying to figure out what our rea- we are working cooperatively with residents and businesses affected to find the solutions. Blah blah blah. Meanwhile, windows are being shot out on your daughter's building. I'm not I mean, I'm not laughing, I mean, but it's it, frustrated. It, yeah, it's not recent though, Jeff. It is yeah. nothing recent. I mean, they didn't do anything up to now. They, they need a police chief to begin with, too. I mean, yeah. it's, this is nothing recent, but nothing has been done. Well, right. And I mean, thanks to the culture. And I appreciate it. And, I mean, look, and, and here's the bottom line. This, this Look, I OK, my my days of, of bar time on Water Street are, are long, long gone. But I mean, all right, think about this from the perspective of of people from the suburbs who come down there to patronize this. All right, you're, you're hearing about this. Who, who's going to go down there? I mean, seriously, who, who's going to travel into this? that area you know you, you hear about these stories about you know people jumping up on parked cars and dancing on them and traffic being blocked and, and essentially it, it's like we are moving towards our own version of an autonomous zone you know like they had in in seattle or whatever and look I, i'm not i'm not faulting the police on this because this this starts with the mayor the mayor is the one who decides about how aggressive that we are going to be and our reaction in milwaukee has been okay let's not antagonize people let's not antagonize crowds. Well, at some point in time, don't businesses and taxpayers and residents who live in that area, don't they have some rights at, as well? And the worst thing in the world that you could have happen is an, is a commercial area like Water Street that's been a great success that the city allows that to become overrun. And then you get this, we're working cooperatively with residents and businesses affected by the crowds to find the best solutions to these challenges. Well, it's not hard. Huge police presence, arrest people who are engaging in misconduct, haul them away, and then prosecute them. And soon the word is going to get out that you're not going to be able to just, uh, again, engage in this type of behavior. It's not that hard. 855-616-1620. Uh, Kathy in Brookfield. Hi, Kathy. Hi. I'm just saying that uh, the police are damned if they do and damned if they don't. Uh, I think they're 
there's less presence because, you know, more people have guns, more people are on drugs, there's more um, violence going on, and if they, you know, yep. you're dealing with a person who's on drugs or has a weapon, they have more strength than you can imagine. Well, it's and not, it's not it's just that, that, and it's not just that, Kathy. But right, it, it's it's there's there's currently this war on the police that's going on right now as well. So so you have you know yeah. you, you have the out of control people. So I, I, I'm simp- I'm with you as well. The, the police respond. You you've got the the drunk guy that's pushing somebody else. The police start to respond. Everybody pulls out their cell phones, and then it's like. Like, okay, then the police become the, the enemies. But the, the problem exactly. is, and, and I, I get it, and I don't disagree with you, but the problem is you just, you, you've, you're turning over one of the major entertainment areas in the city to the hooligans. And you're, you're essentially saying, okay, we're going to allow this to become escape from New York, but it's going to be escape to Water Street. And, and that's not fair. That's not fair to the community in general, and it's not fair to the business owners, and it's not fair to the people who live there, like our last caller's granddaughter. Right, and you know what? Less people are going to uh, sign up to be policemen. Oh, so, yeah. We, I, don't know, we, I don't know what the answer is. No, thanks. Well, I mean, I, I think the answer is for for Tom Barrett to show some guts before he retires and say we're not going to tolerate this. And, and yes, this this is it. We are going to we're going to have a major police presence, and we're not going to allow illegal parking, and we're going to have, we're just for a couple weekends in the summer now, this is the start, we're, we're going to have a massive police presence on different corners, and, and we're going to start making, we're going to start making arrests. We're, we're going to go after people who are loitering. We're going to go after people who are engaging in the public drug use. And, and yeah, and, and how, how can you have the chaos that they had last weekend, and and the the upshot of it is eight municipal citations, eight municipal citations. I mean, I, you can probably get eight municipal citations at some church festival on the near south side or on the northwest side. Eight citations in the midst of this chaos. We're not talking about arrests. We're talking eight municipal citations for the love of goodness. And and we wonder, and the response is, well, we're trying to, you know, work with people to try to figure out what the solution is. Well, <laughs> the solution is aggressive law enforcement before you kill the businesses. We continue the conversation. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Harry and Mequon. Harry, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I know we've got a big problem down on Water Street, and recently I've been down there and have witnessed groups of people who are down there not to patronize the businesses, not to eat, not to celebrate, but just to cause trouble. Walk around threateningly, uh, put their hands in their pocket like they've got a gun bumping into people, daring them to say anything. The attitude is plain. We're here to cause trouble, and that's that. It, it, it has nothing to do with being part of a community or a group of people having fun. I've watched uh, Water Street grow over the years. Yes, there have always been problems down there when a couple of college guys have, you know, a few too many, and maybe they get into some fisticuffs. But this is, seems to be an area where people are coming to where they know trouble can be started. They know they can get their cell phones out. They know they can get on certain TV stations. They can be interviewed. They're looking for their five minutes of, of whatever, fame, glory. 
but mainly it's, it seems to me that we have groups of people who are saying, hey, look, let's do everything we can to ruin a good thing here because it's not benefiting us or our community. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's, um, I mean, that's part, I mean, Harry, thanks. I mean, see, that, that's part of, of, of the overall problem. And that's one of the things that the, one of the, that the alderman was talking about as well. They're saying, look, this, a, a lot of the people that are taking over Water Street are, aren't there to, to patronize the, the bars. I mean, it's to the point where some of the bar owners are kind of saying, hey, people can't even get into our establishments. It's not like these are people that are down here to kind of, uh, again, that, that are going into Water Street. And I appreciate what you're saying, Harry. Right. There have always been problems. I mean, this has been an entertainment district. And you're exactly right. You get two guys that go into a bar. That's always been the thing. A couple college kids or young guys go in and. They get into an argument over something or somebody bumps into somebody else's girlfriend. And, and yes, maybe there's there's shouting and stuff and the bouncer throws you out and then everybody goes home. All right, that, that's the way it's been. Th- this is is not what is going on now. It's become like this this giant thug street fair that, that's been going on. And, and what's going to end up happening is you're going to have the people who legitimately, like you, like to go down, be part of that community, like to patronize Water Street, like to go to the different bars, like to enjoy the music like to enjoy the experience you're going to stop coming because that's not part of the environment that you want to be in now here's one of the texts jeff your solution to crime related problems is always the same boots on the ground yes it is right i'm a let me just stop there i am a big believer in what i call broken windows law enforcement i think you what you have to do is recognize that small stuff matters because if you don't Stop the small stuff. The small stuff becomes big stuff and communities become unlivable. We've moved away from the broken windows. The small stuff matters because we don't want to engage. We don't want to offend people. We don't want to be confrontational. So we allow this stuff to go on and on. And pretty soon you see the destruction of certain neighborhoods or in this case, a a business development. You've got to do it before it's too late. Um, Jeff, you know, you... You believe in aggressive enforcement. I do. Well, we might as well send in the National Guard and establish checkpoints heading into and out of Water Street. Now, I'm, some people, by the way, are texting saying they think the National Guard. I, I don't think that's a role for the Guard. But this is what the person, the texter, continues. The problem is we live in a democratic society where safety and security have to be balanced with individual freedom and constitutional rights. All right. Well, you, you do not have a constitutional right to go down and violate the law. You don't have a constitutional right to jump up on somebody else's car and dance around. You don't have a constitutional right to pull out a gun and shoot out somebody's windows. Yes, yes, you have certain constitutional rights, but there are also rules, there are orders, there are laws. And this idea that we're not going to enforce them, that we're just going to turn up their hands and say, screw you, business owners, screw you, all you apartment owners, apartment residents, screw you, everybody who lives in the area, because we want to allow the community to become overrun. You've got to act before it's too late. And the mayor, well, he's like, well, if we would run the trolley somewhere, you know, let, let's 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 talk about the trolley. Let's not talk about the real problems that are going on in the city. Jeff in Milwaukee. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. How you doing? Hi. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little older, um, and I used to be the guy that cruised down Highway 100 when I was underage and had my car, and it was fun. And then it got out of control, and, you know, people, they just, the littering and the beer drinking and the bottles and the fighting and the whatever, and how that was handled aggressively. It was, mm-hmm. you passed the checkpoint twice, you got pulled over. 
If you were loitering, you got arrested. Yep. If you got it, go there now. The no, the no U-turn signs are still up. It doesn't happen anymore. You know, the businesses, now that I'm older and I've owned a few businesses, I know, boy, I guess I wouldn't have wanted that out in front of my business, all these, you know, right. young kids drinking beer and shooting and hollering and burning out. Yeah. You know, at the time it seemed fun. <laughs> yeah. But you stop it. The, the police came in. They stopped it. Yep. Okay, again, we're going to arrest you. Like a guy shoplifts, don't chase him. Just take a picture of him. What do you think's going to happen? Well, yeah, that, that, that's right. They're they're going to do it again. You know, and, and I mean, I guess I mean, I Jeff. People say, well, what would you do? Okay, you've got some of those mobile command centers. I I, I take a couple of these warm summer weekends. I'd move them down there. You know, and and if it means that you're making mass arrests, go with God. You're making mass arrests and then you got to get the DA's office on board to prosecute the people that are doing that but I'm going to tell you if you don't do that you're going to see there there's been shootings there each week in the last 2 weeks you're going to see more shootings you're going to see more and more you know businesses that are going to end up closing you 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 can't let this become Northridge you just can't it's too important to the city it's going to get worse before it gets better if they don't stop it. Right. I think, thanks. I, I, and it, you know, and, and this is one of these things. I mean, like I say, I, I'm not on board with Bob Bauman about a lot of stuff. But when, when the alderman says it's not safe, you know, it's not safe after 9 o'clock on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday, that tells you sometimes crowds of upwards of 4,000 people, most of whom are not patronizing the businesses. There's fighting. There's open public drinking. There's open possible public drug use. And there's multiple motor vehicle violations. What? When did we get this idea that we have to tolerate this? And and, and seriously, it, it is. You, you, you know, I, I talk a lot about Northridge because when I was a kid, Northridge was the place that, that you went. Northridge ended up for a variety of factors. Just it, it's now just a, just a ghost town. It breaks my heart what was allowed to happen to Northridge. You can't allow that to happen again to something that's as important to the city as as Water Street. I would argue. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey Jeff, the last time I was actually on Water Street, I felt like I needed a bingo piler and some peanut brittle, but I also felt safe because. They had this huge police presence with like police officers all over the place and including some on horseback and there, there was loitering, but there wasn't trouble. Right. And if um, they don't have that presence now, they definitely need to get it back. And if they do have the presence, then these police officers need the clearance to be able to do their job yeah. to make the place safe for everybody. Yeah. Eight, eight municipal citations. I did, that, that's to me to be mind boggling. It, it sounds like you could have probably issued eight hundred, made eight hundred arrests. That they give tickets to eight people, and again, I'm not Jeff. I'm not. I'm not criticizing the police. My guess is they really have their hands tied on this. But I mean, this is one where the mayor needs to show some leadership and say, "All right, we're enforcing the laws, and we're going to do more than just put up a sign that says ways to behave on Water Street. Don't pull out your gun and shoot out windows. I mean, it's, it's, that that's not how you go about it." Yeah, if I if I'm worried about somebody pulling out a gun and sh- and shooting me, that's not a place where I'm going to have a good time, and I'm going to choose other places to go and give my business. A- absolutely, thanks. And the, and the businesses know that. Like I said, just before the this program started, I was watching uh, the Channel Four's report, and I know other channel TV channels have been covering this, but they were quoting the the owner of one bar saying, "We've already had three people quit." You know, we like like businesses don't have enough trouble coming out of the pandemic. They said we've already had three people quit because they're afraid for their life.
You know, they're just they're they're just like you know we we can go we can go ten bar or be servers or something pretty much anywhere, and you know it it and plus I mean it affects the businesses, it affects the the servers when you have this out of control stuff, and the the attitude is well let's twiddle our thumbs and let's hope it goes away. I just had a text here saying Jeff the west end of Brady Street is turning into the same thing: shootings, breaking into car, booze bottles all over the sidewalk and the street i mean how much i I know i ask this question a lot and it's kind of a rhetorical question because i want to pull out my hair when stuff goes on but it's like how how much of this are are we going to tolerate i mean how much in in a community how much of the the reckless driving and the car thefts and the important city areas being overtaken by by again lawlessness to the point that you know decent law-abiding citizens don't want to go anywhere near it because it's nothing but but a problem how much of this do you tolerate in an urban area before you say to the mayor you say to the common council you, you got to stop this one of the reasons we're paying our taxes is so you know we can continue to have these districts and like i said i'm a big fan of water street not, not at two in the morning that's that's you know but but I, I, I'll go down there. We used to go down there regularly. I'm looking at these stories and I'm thinking, you know, I got all sorts of different places I can go. I don't want anything to do with this until they get a handle on this problem. And it doesn't seem like there's any leadership to try to get a handle on the problem. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The threat of inflation increases daily. How will it affect you and your family? Please join our very own Steve Scafidi from WTMJ and Dave Spano, Spano from Annex Wealth Management for a live webinar, Summer School, How Inflation Affects Investing, on Wednesday, June 23rd at 4 p.m. To register, please go to WTMJ.com. All right, we, we just... I have been absolutely flooded with different texts, and I apologize because we're taking calls, and I'm not going to get a chance to read them all on the air, but I I do appreciate a lot of the sentiment. Jeff, Milwaukee is out of control. I live outside of Milwaukee County. I stopped going to Water Street about five years ago. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Jeff, remember, they canceled River Splash a few years back because of this. Yes, River Splash, for those who might not remember, used to be one of the, the events that kind of started off the summer and it was uh, on water street kind of right by as as you were getting closer to wisconsin avenue and and it just got got overrun by bad guys and it got too dangerous and you had vendors that were pulling out and and people just started to bail with this jeff the city of milwaukee police and fire commission along with the mayor need to deploy police officers on foot to these areas i used to frequent these areas when i were younger and they were safe and nice well not anymore yeah i i'd pull i'd pull in i you know the tactical stuff some of those mobile arrest facilities they have you've got to get this under control jeff i'm coming to milwaukee this weekend for a wedding i was saddened to learn about how bad things are getting on water and brady i used to go there with friends whenever i came to the city but now i'm really reconsidering it well I, I, I hate to tell people that, but I mean, the, the alderman is saying, at least right now, he doesn't consider it safe after nine o'clock. What does, you know, that end up telling you about this? Um, Jeff, let's see. Um, in other cities, in their entertainment district, the police department actually has a small office and a storefront or a corner of a building in a predominant area of the entertainment district. I think MTPD should consider 
doing something like this. Well, I, I'm open to everything. Jeff, Milwaukee should do what Memphis does on Beale Street, which is one of the major entertainment areas there, controlled access and check-in areas on the weekend. Well, I think that's one of the things that they're that they're kicking around at least, you know, controlled access so you can limit capacity. And if the capacity gets too great, you just kind of cut it off. Jeff, fence it off and card everyone. Only over 21 allowed into the fenced-in areas. No cars. Well, I think that's going to be something that they're going to, you know, consider um, doing. Jeff, you are exactly right on what needs to be done. Jeff, I'm 64 and glad I grew up when I did. Now I know what the saying, good old days means unfortunately milwaukee will probably never be the same jeff water street is the new bradford beach if you recall the hot mess of bradford beach was addressed by a strong sheriff's department presence water street needs the same that is an absolutely outstanding tweet if you will remember few years back the, the lakefront was completely and totally out of control as well. You, you could mark your calendar. The first warm summer evening, the lakefront was overwhelmed. You had cruisers. You had people that got into the parking lots. You had hangers on, and you had one problem after another. And finally, the sheriff's department, and you can criticize David Clark for a lot of different stuff, but the sheriff's department or David Clark said enough is enough. They had a huge police presence. They kept cars moving along. They stopped the loitering. They were aggressive about going after, you know, drinking and stuff like that in unpermitted areas. And you know what? It, it worked. And I'm not saying that it's perfect at the lakefront, and I'm not saying that you don't have problems, but we don't hear those major problems like we did a few years ago, and it was because of a law enforcement presence. Jeff, if the mayor and other city leaders don't get their heads out of their you-know-whats and do something about this, the businesses are going away. Imagine what the area will become then. Well, I think that's sort of a fair thing. I'll tell you what it'll become. It'll become Northridge. That's exactly what it will become unless we get past the hum and a hum and a hum and we're talking with community leaders and businesses to address the situation. Okay, this isn't the time for roundtable conversations and billboards. This is the time to address it with action and arrests and prosecutions and, and yeah and then you can figure out moving forward you know what what do you do to prevent future problems but right now i mean that the house is on fire you gotta put the fire out um you know that's um it, um, and again, a lot of different texts and a lot of different people appreciating this. Jeff, Milwaukee has a mayor. I was unaware. Well, okay, the, the you know, then you just should hear the mayor is interested in the trolley, but, you know, apparently violence on Water Street. Eh. Jeff, um, you talk as if the mayor has any power in the city anymore. Um, let's see. He's turned that over to activists and agenda-driven individuals um, that are really belong to the Common Council. Well, I hope not. I mean, I, I hope not. Jeff, part of the problem is that we didn't handle um, mobs properly last year. Now people are emboldened. Um, yeah, I think that there's, you know, elements to that. In any event, this is the latest problem. But this is an area, you know, for the longest time, you know, it's been, okay, the problems in Milwaukee, the violence problems, the stuff, it's been confined to certain areas. It's not downtown. You don't have to worry about this. Well, now it is downtown. 
and that that's not a surprise that problems would have spread. I've been arguing for years that you have to address problems when they occur. Like I say, we, we've turned our back on broken windows theories of policing, and it's costing us. The chickens are coming home to roost. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Sometimes these professional protesters are just, what's the word I'm looking for? Stupid. Yes, stupid is the word I, I am looking for. And the current protests that are going on trying to kill one of these pipelines, we'll talk about in a minute, it is just absolutely stupid. Why? Well, just as a starting point, you know, what we... When we tra- we transport like like oil, barrels of oil, they transport it through pipelines. If you have activists that are able to kill one of these pipelines, like ultimately they were able to do thanks to the Biden administration, ultimately we were to kill the, the Keystone pipeline that went on for years and years and years, and finally the company just got tired of fighting the battles. So they said, okay, we're, we'll, 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 we won't do the, the pipeline anymore. And all the activists cheered. Well, the, the activists are stupid. Why do you say that, Jeff? Is it too harsh? No, because it's not you you kill the pipeline. It's not like the companies are going to stop drilling oil. It's not like they're going to stop producing oil. It's just not like they're just they're not going to transmit the oil through the pipeline. So what are they going to do? They're going to put the oil on rail cars. They're going to transport it by train. They're going to take tanker trucks and and use that. And the amount if, if you're concerned about the environment, the amount of, of emissions and things like that that come from using trains and using tanker trucks, that is so much, puts so much greater strain on climate than the pipeline does. But we've killed the pipeline. If Also, if you look at the success that these pipelines have, in general, they are a very, very safe way to transport this. Because if you have... You know, you have a train that, that overturns or something like that, and it's got all this oil on it. Then, then you've really got, you've got a potentially much greater problem. And if you've got tanker trucks, well, you know, we, we all hear about the stories of, you know, uh, trucks getting involved in collisions and stuff like that on the roadways. So for all these activists who think they've accomplished something, for example, by killing the Keystone pipeline, know that they, they've accomplished nothing. Yes, you, you've, you've killed the pipeline. You've put thousands of people out of work, but you haven't stopped the production of fossil fuels. If anything, you've simply that you've just forced the companies to use a more dangerous and more expensive way from the dangerous from the perspective of the environment way of transporting it. I mean, good, good job. Well thought out. Which brings us to the latest thing. There's a story in the paper today or yesterday. Wisconsinites joined the fight against Enbridge's Line 3 oil pipeline. Let me explain this and then we're going to have a discussion uh, about it. But it's 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 equally as stupid, if not more so, than the objections to the, the Keystone pipeline. Now, the Enbridge, what they call it, Line 3, it's called the Dakota Access Pipeline. This pipeline has been in existence since 1968. It, it runs about 1,000 miles. It starts in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, 
and it runs through um, most a lot of it's in in Canada. It runs 13 miles into North Dakota. It runs 337 miles across Minnesota, and then ends up in in Superior, Wisconsin, 14 miles. Um, but but most of it is in Canada. Then the second largest amount is is in Minnesota. This pipeline has existed since 1968, and it really hasn't had you know that many problems with it. What the, what Enbridge is doing is they are replacing the old pipeline with a new, more modern pipeline. And now it is true that the pipeline, the size of the pipes are slightly bigger. Right now, the, the pipes that they use are 34 inches in diameter. They're going to put 36 inch in diameter pipes. So it, it's going to be larger by that, that two, those two inches. And so it's going to be able to transport, you know, more oil per se. I mean, right now it carries uh, about 470,000 barrels of oil per day. When you put the larger pipes in, you, you do increase the capacity, maximum capacity to about 900,000. But, but it, it's, it's new pipeline that is largely replacing the old pipeline. It would be like if you were redoing the sewer lines in your home and you're, you're just putting in larger pipes to make it easier to flow. But it's also, th- these are, these are aging pipes. And so rather than be concerned about, are we going to have leaks with these aging pipes that have been there since 1968, we're going to replace it with, with new 2021 pipes. The, the project is mostly built, but there is still, you know, there's still stuff to go. Meanwhile, the existing pipeline is still running. The pipeline, the, the route it takes is essentially the, the same route as the 1968 route although it, it does it does loop around one um one native american reservation that it currently runs through but otherwise it, it's pretty much that the same route largely speaking so you have a lot of the activists who were successful sort of the professional protesters who objected to keystone and now they're 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 trying to fight enbridge and you've got some people from wisconsin that are trying to do it as well and they're they're saying oh that this is this is terrible and this is another example of how you know the the u.s government is is stepping on the interest of native americans and things like that well the, the interesting thing is that that, uh, that this case a uh, a lot of Native Americans are are blow. There's a there's a big blowback on this because you know they estimate that this to build this pipeline it's creating just an enormous number of good jobs, many of which are going to Native Americans. They estimate the completion of the pipeline will create nearly nine thousand jobs. Um, they estimate it's going to give the state of Minnesota, which where most of the U.S. pipeline is, two um, billion dollar boost, three hundred and thirty four million dollars in payroll as uh, alone. They estimate that, well, at least right now, more than 500 and probably more once it gets really cooked up, uh, Native Americans are part of the workforce. Um, they estimate that, you know, small businesses in the neighborhood are going to benefit. They estimate that there's probably going to be about 5,200 construction jobs that are going to be going to Native Americans for, you know, some of the area and the pipeline that's going to have to go across reservations. And I'm looking at this one story about how you've got a lot of Native American contractors who are saying, wait a second, you know, th- this idea that, you know, people are out there protecting Native Americans. Well, you know, we're Native Americans. We, we want 
we want the jobs. We want the business. Don't speak for us, some of you non-Native Americans who are showing up at the protest scenes. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Just like, in my opinion, the misguided effort to kill Keystone, which ultimately was successful because the protesters wore him down. This is the the same sort of thing. But if you, even if somehow they're able to be successful, and it doesn't appear that that's going to be the case, because again, this is replacing the existing line, you're, you're, you're not going to stop the drilling. You're not going to stop the transportation of, of oil. You're just going to make it more environmentally potentially dangerous. You're going to make it more expensive, admittedly. Why wouldn't you? Go ahead with the pipeline, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I swear, stuff like this just makes my head explode. Craig in Beaver Dam. Craig, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, I, I could go on and on about this, but I'll just make this kind of brief. Um, a truck, a uh, liquid-carrying truck, holds about 6,000 gallons. A rail car, each individual car, about 24,000 gallons, depending on weight, obviously. A pipeline, kind of unlimited, depending on the size. Um, and then, now, I was working with a lot of liquid bulk uh, when, when uh, the unfortunate 2001 incident hit and that shut down borders because of the the, the trucks and, and mm-hmm. the rail cars, you know, everything being inspected. Uh, uh, the pipeline wouldn't necessarily do that. You're talking about billions, if not trillions of dollars a year, especially in petroleum. And, um, you know, we're, we're looking at landowners actually making a profit for letting a pipeline go through their property, which is not disturbing a, an entire crop or field. So I, I just wish you would, you know, I wish people would look at that aspect of it. And then the safety of it as well, because there are checkpoints everywhere, good paying jobs. 9,000. Uh, 9,000 good paying jobs. Well, you know, the other thing, yeah, Craig, is that. Really and like th- this is not a new pipeline. This is rep- and see, and this is the other thing that I, I just that it's just not well thought out. I, I mean, look, I, I don't know anything about installing pipes and stuff, but I've got to imagine that if you've got a pipeline that's been in service since 1968. So what's that? You know, 40, you know, 50 some years. It, it's a good thing to replace it with the the type of pipeline that you're going to be doing now. It seems to me that's safer. It's better. You take out this aging pipeline and you put it in with a new modern pipeline. That's got to reduce the potential for spills moving forward. You'd think that that would be a good thing instead of continuing to use the 1968 pipeline. Jeff, those pipelines are checked daily with uh, checkpoints everywhere along the way with people ready to react. Trucks and rail cars are only inspected yeah. on occasion. So you're talking about safety of uh, private property, rivers, lakes, streams. You got to tell me where is the where. 
Where's the sanity in it? No. All right, Jeff. Thanks thank for the call. Appreciate it, Craig. No, it, I mean, but, but this is, this, let me share a couple of texts, which make a lot of sense. Jeff, regarding the pipeline, this is an ex- another example of the eco group with no plan or focus. They have no concept of the damage this can do to the energy grid, and it hurts the very people they claim to care about. So this is why leadership and elections matter. I hope people learn from this moving forward. Jeff, if they cancel all these pipelines, it simply means putting more trucks and railroad cars online. And there's a shortage of drivers already, meaning everybody will be paying higher prices. Yeah, see, that plus, like like Craig was talking about, and he's absolutely right, the, the chances of of a of a train car full of petroleum full of barrels and oil derailing is much much greater than the chance of of the pipeline having some sort of catastrophic failure that's not caught right away the the chance of you know an oil tanker you know getting involved uh, a, a tanker truck getting involved in an automobile accident in a car accident or a truck accident or whatever and and turning over and spilling it's so much greater when you think about okay this is what's going to be on the roadways nowadays it, it i guess it, i could see this in theory you know, if you've got the eco people that are saying, okay, we're, we're going to shut down the fossil fuel industry and we're, we're going to stop oil from coming and we're going to force people out of their cars or, or whatever. But, but that's not what it's going to do. It, the, the same amount of oil is still going to be produced. There's still going to be drilling. There's still going to be processing. There's still going to be transporting it. All you do by shutting down or in this case, preventing a newer, safer pipeline from being built all you do is that you you increase the cost of the fuel and you increase the risk that there is going to be an environmental catastrophe. Now, in fairness, and that's why I said in the beginning, the, the new line they are putting in is slightly larger. The diameter of the pipe goes from 34 inches to 36 inches. So it's true that you can transport more oil through the the pipeline so yes it's to that extent you are increasing that but but again to me it doesn't make that much difference because that oil is still going to be coming up out of the ground and i can't get past the fact and this is from somebody who lived in in a home that for for years and years that was almost like a hundred years old i saw the pipes that they put in you know, when, when the house was originally built or when the house was modified in the 50s. And when we, like, did replumbing and stuff, they used all sorts of new, more efficient pipes that just weren't going to leak, that, that weren't going to have the problems that the existing stuff did. You would think that the environmental folks would be just, would be just praising this. Jeff, many of these protesters don't care about what they're protesting. They just do it for the sake of protesting. Um, well, yeah, some of these people from Milwaukee undoubtedly have protested the police, the pipelines, Israel, and anything else they can find reason to chant some saying. Well, that's it. Um, let's see. Jeff, isn't it ironic that these are regressive protests because it just costs poor people more money at the pump. Yeah, absolutely. That this if you raise the cost of gasoline, that is about as regressive as you can be because, you know, people are still going to drive their cars. It's just going to increase the cost. On top of that, you know, nine thousand good paying jobs, including a large number of jobs that are going to be going to Native American businesses and who are going to be employed.
employing Native Americans. Um, Jeff, I think this is a national security issue. The less dependent we are on foreign oil, the more secure our economy is. That is an outstanding point as well. It, it just it just flat is because, I mean, look, I'm old enough to remember the Arab oil embargo in the mid-'70s and, and all that sort of stuff. I remember, you know, how how that hit this country and our dependence on foreign oil. You know, we are a much stronger company country because we don't have this going on. And to, for that, you need pipelines. Um, and there's just no question. Jeff, I'm a progressive, even a liberal, if you will. This is the crap that gives people of my ilk a really bad rap. Yes, yes, I think that's the case. Jeff, I assume we can, so can we assume that none of these pipeline protesters drive petroleum powered cars? Well, don't, don't know, probably they haven't thought that far. But this is, it's just another one of these examples of where it's kind of like the old Marlon Brando movie where they say, you know, what, what are you rebelling against, Johnny? And he says, well, what do you got? This is sort of it. It's like, okay, let's, we we managed to just kill Keystone, so now let let's go after the Dakota Access Pipeline, even though it makes no sense to do it. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff, we have nine pets, five cats, two rabbits, and two dogs, zero kids. When something is off with one of the pets, it is the worst thing ever. Well, because they can't tell you what's wrong. That's the that's the other sort of thing. It's kind of like that. They, you know, with, with with people, they can at least tell you many times. Gee, I just don't. I don't feel right. I've got a headache. I've got. I'm running a fever. Or whatever. Tough with the dogs, but or the pets or the rabbits or whatever. But I, I, I think we're at least. I think we're pretty much past that. All right. Red means red. You would think, unless you drive in the city of Milwaukee in particular, or Milwaukee County in general. Tr- true story. I um, w- when I go home from work, just because of I, I used to I used to when coming and going from work, I used to I, I go north, so I used to cut through Esterbrook Park. Well, what they what they do in the summer is they block off Esterbrook Park. You can't go through it because they've got a beer garden. You can get to the beer garden from the north, but you can't drive through it. So it, it means if I'm if I'm if I'm going to try to go a route other than Capital Drive to get home, you've got to really kind of go out of your way. So what I have been doing lately is taking my life in my own hands, leaving our studio and driving. It's about two miles going west, and then right by Mesmer High School, you can catch the freeway and you can go north. But I will tell you, every day it is a white-knuckle drive. I swear, hand in the air, this is what happens yesterday. I'm I'm driving, and there's... There's two lanes, there's really two lanes of traffic, and then there's a third lane, which is kind of like a, a right turn lane. And I'm, I, I'm at this, the, this intersection. I'm in the, I'm in the, the center lane, I guess. So there's the left lane, there's the center lane, and then there's kind of like the, the turn lane. And, and I'm, it, it's right before you get to Port Washington Road for whatever it makes it. And it's a red light. And there, there's all sorts of cars. There's lots of traffic. And I'm, I'm looking at this car who's in to the right of me, who's kind of in this turn lane, but they're not turning. So we're at a red light, and I, I'm watching this, and I see the driver of the car, which the, as I'll tell you I guess the rest of the story in a second, but the, the driver of the car, now to his credit, he looks to his left, he looks to his right, and then he drives through the red light. 
I, I mean, this isn't this isn't close. This isn't like, gee, I, I'm trying to run a yellow light. No, he stopped. He stops and then just decides, well, that red must be a suggestion. So he floors it and he drives through the intersection. Now, thankfully, there was not a pedestrian in the intersection. And thankfully, there, there wasn't a car coming the other way. Cause if there would, was, it, it was going to be, it was going to be nasty. One, you know, one way or the other. But I'm looking and thinking, this guy just, he just, just flat out blew through a red light cause he didn't care. I mean, he just didn't care. This wasn't speeding to try to get through a yellow light. No, this was, all right, I'm here. There's no more reason for me to stay at the red light. I don't see traffic coming, so boom, I'm going to do it. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, hey, hey, buddy, you know, red means red. Red means stop. But I, I see that stuff, just the, this two-mile stretch that I have to drive going west to, to get on the freeway from our studios here. I, I see stuff like that. That is not an unusual occasion. I, I swear, I will probably see something like that, maybe not exactly that, but something like that on an almost daily basis, which brings me to the story in the Journal Sentinel today. A 60-year-old man was killed in a hit-and-run crash late Sunday, the fourth person killed in a car crash in a six-day period in Milwaukee. Police were called to the 1,000 block of West Walnut Street in the Hillside neighborhood at 9.50 p.m. where the victim died from his injuries. Um, He was hit as he crossed the roadway by a car that did not have its headlights on and was traveling between 40 and 50 miles an hour. The report noticed the POTUS speed limit is 30 miles an hour and the streetlights in the area were off at the time of the case, uh, at the time of the crash. So here you have the guy who who's walking, car with no lights, going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit, blows through and hits and kills him. Countywide, it is the third motor vehicle fatality of the weekend. Wauwatosa police reported a fatal crash Saturday morning that killed an 18-year-old from Milwaukee. The guy's vehicle was traveling east on Watertown Plank Road near Interstate 41 when it struck a curb and hit one of the interstate bridge bridge, uh, piers. That came after a second victim died on Saturday morning from injuries he suffered from a Friday crash in Milwaukee. The guy was the driver of the vehicle. Police said ran a red light and collided with another car, killing the driver's passenger, who was 18. Police say the car that ran the light was reported as stolen. About two days before that, we talked about this last week, DeMonta Hambright Jr., 16, was killed in a two-car crash that seriously injured five other young people, including two 12-year-old girls. Police said they tried to pull over his vehicle because it was stolen. The car instead fled, drove into oncoming traffic. This was on 76th and Good Hope Road and hit another car. Through Sunday, Milwaukee police reported 29 fatalities fatalities from car crashes so far in 2021. City officials issued multiple warnings to the public last week, encouraging residents to be vigilant about protecting their vehicles from being stolen, like it's your fault, and discouraging young people from driving recklessly. Officials with the police department's newly formed traffic safety unit also announced a billboard campaign about reckless driving. You know, and then they go on and start to talk about this. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I swear it's gotten worse out there. I mean, look, there's always been bad drive. I got my driver's license 
when I when I turned 16. So I, I've had a driver's license for a long time. And, and I know that there's always been bad drivers. There's always been reckless driving. There, there's always been collisions and things like that. But I swear, it, it is it is so much worse now, not than it was 10 years ago, because it's a lot worse now than it was 10 years ago. But it, it's so much worse now than I think it was five years ago or three years ago. And, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And unfortunately, you can put up all the billboards you want. You know, you, you can have, hey, call these numbers to report reckless driving. And I encourage people to do it, although I don't know what the heck that's going to do about it. But I, I think in, in general, you have this this problem out there where you have people that just don't care. Like the guy yesterday who blows through a, a red light after stopping at it. He just doesn't care. Doesn't care about anybody else. Maybe doesn't care about himself. And the effect of it is all the rest of us take our lives into our hands when we go on the roads. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this problem is so much worse now than it was even just a couple years ago. And I... Like I said, you can put up all the billboards you want, but I don't think that's going to make any difference. I think it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And I really, this is one short of of locking up the people that are driving recklessly and we're not going to do it. I think it's now coming to the point where we just have to live with it. And you have to realize every time you go out on the roadways, you know, you're – you take your life into your own hands. Every time you decide to cross the street, it's not like look right, look left, because you never know when that idiot's going to be speeding without their headlights on and is going to blow through an intersection. It's just the Wild West. 855-616-1620. We discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Lucy on the west side. Lucy, good afternoon. Hi. Hi. Um, it's worse. I've been driving too, and sometimes I think, well, maybe I'm just getting old and crotchety. But my son, who is a bicycle commuter and an excellent driver himself, just says it's really, really worse. It's people running red lights. Yep. It's not paying attention to stop signs, passing on the right. Um, I've been, I've seen drag racing on city streets, and it's. It's scary out there, and I don't know what the answer is, because if the police think these people pay the slightest attention to tickets, yeah. they, they don't, and half the cars are unlicensed, Yep. Um, and it's, it's they don't care. They you know, don't it, care. It, you, know you were talking about drag racing. The, uh, it was over the weekend. I, I'm, on, I'm on the freeway. I was heading north, out of, coming out of the city and stuff, and, and, and I see these two cars, and, and there was it wasn't like... It wasn't like it was a traffic jam, but there was a moderate flow of traffic. And in my rearview mirror, I see these cars coming like bats out of you-know-where. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? And I'm thinking, is this a chase that we're in the middle of? And I watched these cars go by. I, honest to God, Lucy, they were going 95 if they were going a, a mile, probably more than that. And one passes me on the left, one passes me on the right. They swerve back. This is It's a drag race at 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning. And I'm thinking, what the heck is going on here? Thanks for the call. Let's talk to Sheldon in West Dallas. Sheldon, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Sheldon. Um, hi. I was just um, on Brewers Parkway, um, getting ready to turn west on the National. I'm in the right-hand lane, and there's a red light. Okay. Um, there's some traffic, so I wait the red light. 
Meanwhile, someone in the left lane turns in front of me through the red light, just missing a bus. I just figured it was interesting that you're talking about it was happening to me right then. I, I just, you know, and, and my guess is, Sheldon, if you drive around for another hour, you're going to see something similar to that, maybe on multiple occasions. People just don't care, I guess. And I, I don't know what the answer is, is either, but the rest of us, we're taking our lives into our hands when we're out on the roadways. Well, I mean, the thing is, there's so many cars out there without license plates, yep. swerving in and out of traffic. I'm like... Where are the police? Yeah. Well, I mean, thank, well, thanks for calling. I mean, the, the, but, but, I mean, I agree with you. But the, the problem is crime, as we've talked about on so many levels, is so out of control. And the cops will be the first to tell you. You know, it, it's, it's almost not worth it because if you pursue, what ends up happening is like the thing that happened on Good Hope in 76. You've got a 16-year-old with two 12-year-olds in the car. They're driving a stolen car. The cops try to pull them over. The car, the car floors it. The kid ends up going the wrong way uh, and smashes into another car. And it's not, it's, there's only one person dead. That's the driver. It's a miracle. There's not six people that, that are dead. And, but even if it doesn't turn out like that, even if the police are able to pull the car over and it's stolen, as, as we've talked about before, they're, they're not going to do anything to him. The cops will tell you, we send it down to the DA's office. The kid's driving a stolen car. It's the eighth time he's been there. And, and they're not going to do anything. They're just going to say, okay, well, well, we'll send him back to his parents and we'll ask that he not do it again. And, 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 and then ultimately what happens is inevitably the kid does. And sooner or later, they either kill themselves or they hit and kill somebody else. And then you have to get involved. Then, then something serious has to happen. But, but it's, it, it's not just kids. I mean, yes, it's yes, it, it's sixteen-year-olds driving stolen cars. But like I say, the guy I watched do go through the red light yesterday was not. This was not a sixteen-year-old teenager. It was a guy who my guess was was in the thirties, thirties or forties, and just decided, well, I, I don't want to be bothered by stopping at these things like red lights for goodness sakes. Josh in Pewaukee. Josh, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? <laughs> I'm, I'm frustrated. I can talk. About- I drive for a living. I haul heavy equipment. So I am out on the roads all day long, and I have the best one yet. We had a job on 27th and Burleigh, and I was going north. I believe it was just north of Wisconsin, between Wisconsin and North Avenue on 27th Street. So I'm in the left lane. There's a right lane, and then there's the bike lane or the bus lane. I was being passed by not only a car on my right in that lane, that's fine, but a car in the bicycle lane or the bus lane, and then the guy was not patient enough. He passes me in the left of me going northbound in the southbound lane. So I have three cars <laughs> passing me, two on my right and one on my left <laughs> passing me. Yeah, and, and I'm just like, I don't I don't know what to do. Like, you're going to run into my trailer or me? Like, I'm just going to run you over and keep going. Like, well, I don't know what to say anymore. Well, right, or you're, you're going to have a head-on clash, cash, uh, you know, collision with somebody who's coming the other way. <laughs> I just, no, no, thanks. I mean, look, I, I just, I, I'm sorry, I wanted to vent. A lot of times I do topics, I like to have suggestions. I, I have... I mean, I've given you my theory on this. I think that it's, it all goes back to what I call broken windows. It's, it's a, I think it's a big deal. 
I, I think this is one where you you pull you don't give them tickets. Like our first caller, Lucy, was saying, tickets they just you know people ball those up and throw them away. That doesn't make any difference. What you have to do is you have to start seizing cars. You have to be serious. You have to put people in the house of correction. You have to have real meaningful penalties. And we're not willing to do that. Just collectively, uh, the DA's office isn't willing to do it. The judges aren't willing to do it. The politicians aren't willing to do it. They cave into the community activists. But then we wonder why it's unsafe for everybody else on the roadways. Hmm. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, Melissa, I have something to read here, and you are part of this as well. All right. Fans are back at American Family Field, but this Friday... Brewers fans fill it to the rafters. It's reopening day on News Radio WTMJ. Join us all day for live coverage from the ballpark. Then don't miss Mr. Baseball Bob Euchre calling the Brewers and Rockies 235 first pitch. It's reopening day, sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited, Gruber Law Offices, and Holiday Automotive. Now here's here's the deal. See, um, um, our colleague Steve Scafidi is off on Friday. So the the plan is that um, I am getting up early and they are sending my chunky butt out to American Family Field at 830. Oh, so you're I, here early. Yeah. I will be um, in the tailgate. Well, whatever we call it, the, 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 mobile, the yeah. mobile broadcast facility, <laughs> what I would refer to as the big talking box. The big box. Yeah. I will be there from 830 until 12. And then what's going to happen since they don't want me to wake work from eight thirty until two thirty, because I'm cranky enough after three and a half hours, um, you are. Are you coming out there? Are you going to be? I, on the I will be out there, and I'll actually be out there during your show a little bit. I'll be talking to fans oh, outside cool. the talking box. So the big talking box. Big talking oh, box. Yep. And then uh, we're going a little rogue on Wisconsin's afternoon news. Our format will be a little different, more like your show. Yeah. So I'm kind of excited about that. Well, right. So so then what's going to happen is I'll be there from 8.30 until noon, and, and we'll have the, – the plan is to try to integrate some opening day features, but it's it's not like – you know, our, our traditional opening day shows where we used to be able to get into the dugout and things like that. Well, you know, because of the pandemic, we can't do that. Right. But there'll, there'll, there'll be some guests, um, some on my show, but I think probably a lot more on your show. And then, then you and John are going to be there starting at noon. You will be on the premises from noon until 2.30 with what I would describe as perhaps even the more traditional WTMJ opening show with lots of, uh, of the different guests and things like that. Everybody that I can't snare, you're, 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 you're going to get. We'll get or, them. Or, yes. I, or I will try to snare a couple couple people that are otherwise lined up for you but it should be fun we'll be out there i'm excited i mean we've never had a reopening day before so right. we were there for opening day and i remember that was exciting but it was still kind of you know uh, but i think this is going to be the real deal this is going to be you know off the chain well well exactly and and i think it's um you know i i've been to probably about a half dozen ball games so far this year mm-hmm. and 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 it, it's fine i mean it's great to be in the ballpark and on a very selfish level you know, especially during the the pandemic and all, where where they were doing the limited capacity on a very selfish level. On the one hand, it's kind of nice you're in this row, and the whole row is just <laughs> you and the person you're with, and then there's two other people at the end. Yeah, yeah. So that that, but that's and then you, there's no waiting in line to go to use the bathroom, or there's no waiting in line when you go up to get a hot dog or a beer or whatever. But it it's not 
the same mm. as you know being in in where you got everybody surrounding you and things like you that. You know, there is something about the energy of having lots of people in a, the same facility, yeah. whether it's a ball game or a movie or whatever it is. You when you don't have a lot of people, you you miss that element, and I think it, it's going to be back and it's going to be big. Well, right, and you know, at at the here's one of the other cool things at the beginning of the season, you know, everybody. Everybody hopes that your team is going to play well, and, and, and you hope that, hey, this is going to be the year. And the reality is, you know, a, lots of teams just, just don't have great years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, well, here we are. We are getting close to the 4th of July. So you've had, and I think the original opening day was in March. So you've had April and May and a good portion of June. And the bottom line is, if the Brewers aren't in first place by the time the game rolls around Monday, they're going to be close to first place. I mean, they're, I, I, I didn't look to see whether Chicago lost yesterday. But the bottom line is they're they are very, very competitive. They're having a a good season. And given all the different injuries that they've had, it's almost a miraculous season. You keep thinking, boy, once they start getting players back, you know, maybe they can really kick it into gear. Well, the one thing I keep thinking about, and I know it's not particularly about the game, but the experience when we were out there for the first opening day, there weren't any porta potties. And we were we were out there and we we're doing the show and we were like where where do we go and so we we didn't there's, and a, there's a couple bushes right behind the, <laughs> there, the mobile there, broadcast there facility so I'm hoping I know there was a porta potty shortage so hopefully they have those out there for for reopening day I'm crossing there, my fingers okay. for that one um, I'm trying to think because I, I'm I'm pretty sure there are I mean I'm, I hope I'm, so yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure that there are, well you're right there but see that that's see that's the kind of thing that you just don't think of, but I think that's a that's sort of a. Well, and I think you know a lot of people uh, will be drinking beverages out there, and then you know, then you got to find one. Okay, well, it, at, at the risk of you know, at the risk, of, I mean, if, if other people, that's other people's problems. I'm more about what about the guy that's on the radio and has some coffee and a couple <laughs> yeah, bottles yeah, yeah. of water and stuff. And I know this is one where at the risk of being selfish, it is. What about me? But the bottom line is um, big doings yes. on on Friday and Wisconsin's morning news. We'll have lots of opening day related stuff. Like I say, I'm out there and. You will be out in front of the mobile broadcast facility, so stop by and say hello if you're coming out to the game because we'll be there and we are looking forward to it. All right, I, before I move on, I do. I, I was just swamped again. Lots, lots, and lots of texts. Literally hundreds of texts today from people talking about the driving story that we did last hour, and I just I want to I want to share a couple because I am hoping, 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 hoping that, that maybe some of the powers that be. Are, are, are listening and realize that this is an issue where the general public is so far ahead of the political class. And, and, and I mean, the response to, to reckless driving around here is let's put up billboards. And, and I, 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 I'm sorry, I'm rolling my eyes. And, and it's not that I hate billboards, but okay, the, the 16-year-old kid that, that's driving the stolen car with the two 12-year-olds the other night who decides to flee from the police, I'm willing to bet that you can put up all the billboards you want saying, don't steal cars, you know, don't drive recklessly, and, and that's not going to register. The idiot that's next to me, you know, yesterday who stops at the light and then looks both ways and then just blasts through it, uh, you, you can put up all the billboards you want saying, you know, don't, don't drive recklessly. And, and 
and it, it's not going to make any sort of difference. Here, here's, and so there is this general frustration that I know that is out there. Um, Jeff, I live out near Waukesha. My son bought a place in Bayview. I was driving there almost daily for a couple months working on it for him. Like you, I was shocked at the fact that it was six or seven or eight incidents every day, including a kid who looked about 12 going over the high-rise bridge at about 20 miles an hour. There are dozens of cars without plates, and I learned to check the right distress lane before moving on to an off-ramp. It's pretty scary. Um, yes. Jeff, I'm a home health care nurse. I'm driving around the city pretty much all day long. I see at least one fairly major accident a day, and I can't tell you how many times I see people speeding, going through lead red lights like you're talking about, going around people when they shouldn't be, driving in the parking lane, cutting off other drivers. Jeff, this is Peter from the South Side. I think this is why we need traffic cameras, red light cameras, and to start... Uh, Touching these people, I drive on an average 200 miles per day. Not once have I gotten a speeding ticket. Not once have I gone through a red light. Not once have I done anything so reckless that would put anybody else's life in jeopardy. Um, but this is the thing. And then he goes on to talk about the, the drivers. Jeff, you already said the reason. People just don't care. I mean, people just don't care. Jeff, I see this every day in Milwaukee. People drive reckless every day. They simply just don't care. Unregistered cars, no plates, no insurance. If you get hit, you're the one that's shafted. We need more police patrolling these areas and towing cars away. Um, yes, Jeff, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but I think a lot of the kids are trying to bring Grand Theft Auto to life. They brag about it on social media while innocent people are dying. Totally disgusting. Yeah, see, that's that's what touches me about this, and it's why I, I talk about it on multiple occasions. Because when when you hear these stories about people that die, that that could be you, that could be me, that could be your spouse, that could be your kid, that could be your grandkid, that could be your best friend. I mean, this thing last week on Good Hope Road. I mean, it, it's two guys that are going one direction on Good Hope Road, and you have a 16-year-old driving a stolen car who goes the wrong way and smashes into him. Now, in that particular case, at least so far, it's only the driver that died, you know, but you've got five other people who are in various degrees of extremely serious condition. Jeff, our son goes to UWM. We drop him off several times during the school year. We hate driving around Milwaukee. We live in Walworth County, and I can't believe how bad city driving is being cut off speeding people walking in the road as you are driving by i breathe a sigh of relief when we get to 43 and moreland road when we're heading on the way back jeff i see this every day in milwaukee people drive recklessly they don't care um and the the whole thing continues um Yes, Jeff, I'm 62. I've seen more reckless driving in the past year than I've seen in my 40-some years of driving combined. Some of these cars have no plates. Yeah, that happens. If they cause death or injury, how do we even find out who it was that was driving? These are very scary times indeed. Jeff, the driver next to you yesterday apparently looked both ways before flooring it through the red light. He didn't recklessly blast through the red light at 50 miles an hour. Maybe we're making some progress. I say that tongue in cheek. <laughs> That's what Dick and Grafton says. Um, if the police aren't doing anything about stolen vehicles, I doubt the police will be able to control reckless driving, let alone billboards being able to correct the problem. No, but then we can say we're doing something. We put up billboards. Jeff, I was over by Potawatomi, and we were at the red light, and the car in front of us stopped then went through the red light, turning onto Canal Street. They must not understand that red means stop. 
Well, they understand that red means stop. They apparently don't understand that red means stop until it turns green. Jeff, I drive through the city of Milwaukee frequently, and I see the red light runner quite a bit during my day. A lot of times I will see these people simply run a red light just to see them go a block or two farther up the street to a McDonald's or a gas station or into a Walmart. They risk everybody's life on the road just so they can do what they have to do at the next convenient store. Jeff, I drive Capitol, down Capitol Drive all the time. When I'm first in line at a light, I refuse to move when it turns green just to double check if there is anyone coming that could hit me. These are indeed scary times. Oh yeah, there, there's no, there's no, there's no doubt about that. I mean, there, it's, that has become my default position too. You're at the red light, it turns green. I now, I almost always look both ways to make sure you don't see that car halfway up the block who's going to be flooring it to try to get through the light. Jeff, I have been, um, I have been driving a tanker truck for 30 years. I used to love my job. I hate it now. I get cut off. Nothing but a pain. Nobody cares at all. Um, yes. Jeff, in my spare time, I deliver for DoorDash. In any given evening, if I deliver in the city of Milwaukee, I will see 20 to 30 cars with no license plates and witness at least 5 to 10 running red lights in the specific manager manner that you just mentioned. I stop driving in Milwaukee. I simply go to um, other areas, predominantly in the North Shore, where I feel it's safer. So for, for the elected class that's out there, the folks who don't, recognize necessarily that the average person is is has had enough of this and wants solutions beyond simply let's put up a billboard saying hey if you're 14 years old don't steal cars and drive 90 miles an hour maybe this is an object lesson just saying back with more in just a minute jeff wagner on wtmj There is sort of a breaking news story in a way from the world of sports that, for me, it's kind of the the creepy factor and the betrayal factor. Um, I it's for, for those of you who follow the um, University of Wisconsin men's basketball team had a had a, a disappointing season last year. I mean, I, I'm a Marquette basketball fan, and Marquette had a disappointing season that ended up costing the the coach his, his job. But um, you know. U- UW went into the the season. They were ranked, you know, number seven, and then you know really started to. I, I think at least the perception of some people was that they underperformed, and it, it apparently created quite a bit of controversy um, among the team. And so here, here's the story. Apparently, there was a meeting with the coaching staff and the seven seniors on the basketball team. And this was like a closed-door meeting that occurred um, in, in mid-February um, where, where they apparently talked it, talked it out. And this is one where a number of the seniors went in. And nobody knew that this had occurred besides the seniors. Somebody who was apparently part of that meeting recorded this, recorded the, the meeting or at least recorded 37 minutes of this meeting and then sent the the audio file to the the Wisconsin State Journal via an anonymous email account 
late yesterday afternoon. Now, it, it only, it's, it's not a complete text of the meeting. It's edited a little bit, but the, the portion is filled apparently with all sorts of pointed criticism directed at the, the head coach, um, you know, Greg Gard. And, and these are the seniors. And I'm, it, there's a big story about this in the, the Wisconsin State Journal because they, they have all the different players that are talking to him and they're, they're very, very critical. Their, their players are saying, you know, we, we don't think you, you know, have our back and we think that, you know, you, you're not supportive of us. And, you know, we think that, you know, we're, many of them are saying, you know, once we're done playing basketball here, you know, we don't think we're going to come back and support the program because of you, et cetera. They are extremely, extremely critical of, of the coaching staff. And, um, it doesn't have a lot of his response to it, but it's again, it's it's the type of thing that you would make public if you were trying to, I, I don't know, undermine the coach. The coach does not come out looking very good. I think that's that would be the, the fair sort of thing about this. Now, I appreciate why the State Journal, you know, ran with this because the, it shows up and it, it's newsworthy. I guess the the thing that really reading the story makes me want to take a shower is that this was this was something that was supposed to be private and i mean and look i i say i'm I'm a marquette basketball fan you know if if uw wins as long as they're not playing marquette that's great because i have a lot of friends who are uw grads and, and 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 that's fine it's a state school and i root for it as long as they're not playing marquette but it is one of these things where I try to put myself in in this position. You're you're in a position of authority. You in this case you're you're the coach. You know a number of the players ask for a private meeting. You have this private meeting and the idea is okay, we're going to we are within the context of this this meeting. We're here say what you think. And, and you know we're what's what goes on here stays in this room. You tell me what your problems are. I'll try to respond to you honestly and we'll try to see if we can work things out. And that's kind of the ground rules going in and some Somebody, you know, who's apparently in that meeting, presumably, somebody surreptitiously records the meeting and then, okay, so this meeting occurs in February, we're in June, so February, March, April, May, June. So, you know, several months later, for whatever purposes, you know, takes the audio file of this that they probably shouldn't have in the first place and and sends it to the media, knowing that this is going to create a huge firestorm and it's going to embarrass the coach. I think that's a fair way to put it. And now, you know, the UW basketball program has put out a, a statement where the coach tries to uh, address this. And and I understand maybe that the story is okay. That that you know you you had all this controversy and stuff, and you had you know this disaffection and this split between the the players, the seniors, and the coach, and things like that. And and that'll get the play. But this, in some respects, it's kind of like these stories. That the story out there two weeks ago about how you know somebody has leaked IRS records involving some really really rich people in this country, showing that they don't pay what some people think is their fair share of taxes. And and that was the headline. But what I, I was thinking. What about the leaks here? I mean, this is a crime. You're you're not allowed to legally do this, and 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 we don't care about that. In this particular case, it's not a crime, but nevertheless, it's just such a a breach of trust. And if this is the type of stuff that's going to happen on a daily and a regular sort of basis, it makes you wonder whether it's again whether it's a coach in a basketball team 
or, you know, an employer and his employees or, you know, just just people having you know conversations in everyday life. It's whether you, you can even have dialogues anymore because you don't know that there's going to be somebody there who's going to record this and then save it and then decide when the time is right that they're going to try to go public with this and sort of embarrass you. So it's yeah, it's an interesting story. And I'm sure sports talk radio and all the sports TV shows are going to my guess is this is going to make ESPN tonight because it's a big story in that regard. But. I read this, and at the end of the day, my first reaction is it just makes me want to take a shower. And, and it's like, Eek, you know, th- this is what you got to do. And forever, whoever it was that, that leaked this, and I doubt that they'll ever be able to identify who it was, you know, for, for whatever satisfaction you might have gotten from embarrassing the coach. And again, I, I don't have... I don't have an axe to grind here. I don't. I don't have a. I don't care one way or the other who the coach at UW men's basketball is. But for whoever decided that they were going to leak this, it's kind of like I really hope you're proud of yourself because you betrayed everybody else that was in the room. And and what did you really? accomplish and if this is the way you're going to go through life maybe you're not going to be identified doing this sleazy thing but you're going to do something else sleazy that's going to blow up in your face i guarantee it back with more in just a minute this is jeff wagner jeff wagner on wtmj I'm kind of up against the clock, so we're going to save my why topic for tomorrow. Here's a text, Jeff. Remember when Tony Evers did the secret recording? Yeah, that wasn't Evers, but it was a member of his staff who surreptitiously recorded a conversation he had with Republican legislators. And, you know, and it's, it's again, it, and then, you know, leaked it. it it's... I, I, maybe maybe this is the way people do business nowadays, but it just, it, it wouldn't... It wouldn't occur to me to go into a meeting with my boss about something and say, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna surreptitiously record this, and then I, if I don't like what's happened at the meeting, I'm gonna see if I'm gonna wait till there's the opportune time, and then I'm gonna release it. And I'm gonna try to embarrass somebody. I, I just maybe it's because I wouldn't like it if somebody did it to me. I just wouldn't even occur to me to do it. But that apparently is the way things operate nowadays. Hey, just a couple house cleaning matters, things that I wanted to mention. We. We've discussed this on multiple occasions in the past. I am a big believer in the fact that Summerfest is a wonderful corporate citizen. I mean, Summerfest really is a a treasure. There's just no question about it. It's the world's largest music festival, and this community is so lucky to have Summerfest, and and that's kind of the attitude that I've taken. Well, you remember one of the controversies. Summerfest, as part of their lease agreement, that was renegotiated in 2009. I mean, they they pay about $1.8 million to rent the facility. And then what they do is they they pay an extra 143,000, almost 144,000 for the city to provide security. That that's part that's part of the deal that was in fact negotiated. And the, the city has been complaining for a long time, well the cost of providing cops is, is greater than that $143,000. Now my response to this has always been well, okay, a, a deal a deal is a deal, and you've signed a lease, and that was the commitment, and I don't think it's right to go back to an event like Summerfest and say, well, we want you to pay more. But this is, of course, the city of Milwaukee that always has its hand out to things, and so you've had people, including some aldermen, that were saying, well, you know, if Summerfest won't give us more, regardless of what the, the deal is, we'll figure out ways to try to shaft them on uh, on, on the perimeters. Like, we, we won't provide cops, or we won't let them open streets, or things like that. Just really petty, 
petty stuff, but the kind of stuff that you perhaps expect sometimes from the city of Milwaukee. Well, in any event, apparently there, there's a deal which has been struck pending Common Council approval. And if the Common Council has any sense at all, they will jump on this. And Summerfest said, okay, I tell you what, we we will bear a larger share of security costs. First of all, you, you get rid of the $143,000 supplemental fee. Okay, get rid of that. But what we will do is we'll, um, we will pay, we'll compensate the Milwaukee police at the current overtime rate for each officer assigned. So we'll, we'll pay the costs. Um, the 61.50 per hour for a police officer, 61.88 for a motorcycle officer, 71 bucks for a supervisor, 80 bucks for a lieutenant. They say, look, this is, this is what the deal is. This will be the standard thing. We, we will, we'll pay. And, but you know, don't, don't double charge us the 143,000, but we'll pay the cost. My guess is that's going to result in Summerfest paying a lot more than they would otherwise have been obligated to pay. But I, I think it reflects the fact, once again, that Summerfest is, is just an outstanding corporate citizen. And even though they were under no obligation to do it, decided that they were, they were going to do it. I think they should get a lot of credit for it. It's sort of like you, you lease an apartment from you know you you rent an apartment from somebody and you sign a year lease and the lease that you sign is 600 bucks a month all right then for whatever reason your landlord comes to you and says well you know my costs have actually gone up and i understand we have a year lease and and it says that you have to pay 600 bucks a month but i'd like you to pay a thousand dollars a month now in the real world when your landlord comes to you and says that, you say, well, thanks, I get that, but I'm, I've got a $600 a month lease. You know, once the lease comes up, you know, next year we can re-talk about this, but no, I'm not giving you more money. That would be the, the typical reaction. But because Summerfest is a good corporate citizen, Summerfest says, okay, you need more money, need us to help you out, despite the fact that we've had a tough couple of years, tell you what, we want to be good neighbors, we will pay you more. Like I say, the Common Council should say thank you, Mr. Smiley, thank you to the Summerfest board, and they should jump all over this. This is a classic example of Summerfest not only being the world's largest music festival, but also being a great corporate citizen.